This is Liga Day, Saturday at Woodstock! Some TV was forced to get off of home base. We thought it was too dangerous. They said too many people were getting hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Hello! Welcome to a special edition of Podcast 99. I'm Ryan Lichten. And I'm Parks Miller. And today we are going to discuss a Woodstock 99 adjacent topic, something that we have mentioned several times uh, throughout the series, uh, especially like in the early phases when we started, because this particular topic was so recent in the memory of people. We are talking about fire. Not the fire at Woodstock 99. We're talking about fire festival. Fire with a Y. Yes. Yeah. The cool fire. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why we're we're doing this is, A, because one of our listeners uh, contacted us and mentioned that she had worked at Firefest and had all sorts of good stories and pictures and such. And boy, did she ever deliver. So this is a kind of half- Special edition half survivor stories, but again, it's about Fire Festival, not Woodstock '99. But I think you'll see uh, by the end of the episode that the two are pretty similar. I mean, with with, with a few major differences, but overall, they fall it you know into the same bucket here. Sort of, sort of a, a a disaster. I mean, they are very different. I mean, one happened. Woodstock right? happened. Yes, yes, that's uh, true. Fire didn't. Um, but yeah, I think when the fire thing was unfolding in the news, we were really stoked because we were doing our podcast like more heavily, like in the really in the thick of it. And then there was also the news was kind of comparing. This is a little bit like Woodstock 99. So it was kind of just that right. plus the the Woodstock 2019 not happening. You know, it was it was pretty fun for us to suddenly have these weird current events kind of relating. Right. And also, you know, Woodstock 99, we, we always talk about how there was a lot learned from it. And that's why we have such like well-run festivals nowadays. And they're like this mega titan of culture, like the, your Coachella's and your Bonnaroo's, your Lollapalooza's, things like that. Um, even though Lollapalooza, yes, dates back before, uh, you know, Woodstock 99, but not Woodstock. Right. But anyways, right. uh, you know, the, the whole thing is that, you know, yes, it's such a well-oiled machine now. And there's such a high expectation of a like class a music festival and Firefest promised to deliver all of that and existed in a time when it was more than possible to pull off. And it just fucking fell so short of the mark. It was a Ponzi scheme. Essentially it was a, it was a fraud. It was a scam um, that I don't think necessarily began as a scam like i don't think the goal of the founders were to rip people off i think they actually thought that they were going to pull this off but i think as things started to unfold that then they started pulling some scam shit in order to cover their asses and uh it ends with one of the guys being sentenced to six years in prison Pro probably existed somewhere in between a scam and a real thing where he's just probably planning it and just kind of getting drunk after having a beer and being like, oh, we're going to throw this sick fest and we're going to make tons of money. And it's right. just, both are going to be so easily achievable. No, it's like, breath, here, here's you know? the thing. It's like, and I mean, this goes back to the original Woodstock. The original Woodstock was not thrown as this peace, love and music 
free concert. It was thrown to raise money for a recording studio. And due to all the negligence and, you know, misgivings that happened, it ended up being free, but was, you know, galvanized in pop culture as the greatest concert of all time. So, you know, there's... You, you can't do this shit on, on purpose. You know what I mean? It's like either right. your festival is going to fail because you are trying so hard to make money or it fails because you're like trying to make like this really cool thing. But either way, it, it's that, you know, you run a lot of risk and your first festival when you're throwing like your first show of any sort like that, it should be because you want to do it. Don't expect to make mm-hmm. millions of dollars your first time out. You're going to have to learn about all the kinks and stuff. And the thing is, he, he had, you know, Billy McFarland, that, that's who founded Fire and, and Fire Media, Fire Fest. Also, the festival was also uh, headed up by, by Ja Rule. That those, those were the two kind of CEOs of, of the whole deal and, and the two figureheads of the whole thing. But they didn't hire any of these people that throw all these festivals, probably because they're too busy doing the, the huge ones. So they got like people that they knew that like their talent booker had never booked talent before he was, he was in his mid twenties. And now he, you're like, like imagine just you're at work one day and someone's like, Hey, I need you to book a major festival. Like, like go ahead and call up blink 82 and amigos uh, and stuff. And uh, yeah, figure mm-hmm. that out. Like, where do yeah. you, like, how do you do that? Like, you know what I mean? So already from the start, but, uh, we we got to just get into kind of the the overall background real quick. But uh, Parks, you had something. Oh well, what what I was gonna say is just like one other connection to Woodstock '99 and this in that is one big uh, initial controversy of Woodstock '99 was the the increased prices, and if you go back to the original Woodstock, even that price of whatever ten fucking dollars it was back in the '60s, like that still was not enough not cheap enough or low enough to deter people from wanting to crash the gates and stuff. And then in Lollapalooza, you did have kind of a traditionally, at least in those early ones in the night, very early nineties, they were kind of known for like, well, let's keep the ticket down because the organizers really did just want to create this, you know, experience. Right. Well, and it was founded by musicians. Right. And then, so then with, with Woodstock kind of having that $150 ticket price, which was, you know, it, really high at the time you know that brought its own problems but then you had you did kind of lay the ground for like a coachella to then start doing these three four hundred dollar things but then you had these vip tickets and so that became this extra lucrative source and essentially firefest was trying to be everyone is vip like the lowest ticket cost is just right. a shit ton of money and then it just goes up from there where some tickets were these crazy packages that were like 10 or $12,000 like that were vacation. They were selling vacation travel packages that included a concert essentially. Um, right. So let's get into the, the background real quick. And, and also folks, we're going to kind of blast through this because the bulk of this episode is going to be our interview with the survivor of Firefest, Kathleen, but we'll, we'll give you some supplement, uh, Supplemental information. So it was founded by Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule in 2017. And Fire Festival was a promotional event for Fire Media, which was founded in 2016 by McFarlane. And that was an app, like for your phone or, or for the internet, that was for booking talent. So essentially, like, like that, much like the app Cameo, 
where you can go on, find your favorite celebrity, and for X amount of dollars, they will record a personalized message for you. This was like, you know, you, the, the music acts or the artists or, or what have you would you know, sign up to be a part of fire media and you would scroll through, say you want to book, you know, let, let's just go off of the Firefest lineup, like blink 182 or Tyga or something. You would find their thing and it would have like the fixed price and you would book it right through there. So you could throw big commercial events yourself. And it was kind of like bringing the, like the tools to create a mega festival or a mega event. Like it was putting those tools into the hands of everyone, which is kind of a cool thing. I mean, obviously you have to have the money to, to book yeah, these people. It, it so it doesn't seems, seem like it, not everyone's going to be using that, you know? Right. And then it's, I mean, I do think there is also sort of an issue of like a, an accountability thing. Like say you pledge, uh, I don't know, thousands of dollars for an act and then they don't, show up or something like, right you or, you, like, or you do show up and it's like oh we're playing a fucking quinceanera like you know what i mean right, right. <laughs> like, it's i i could imagine how that it definitely sort of reeks of a bit of a tech bro like this is a great idea but then when you think about the logistics of it yeah you can't have migos at your birthday party i mean you could and i mean honestly some of those rappers have done wild stuff like that before right no yeah i mean but. kanye west performed uh someone's sweet 16 on the show super sweet 16 you know it's like right, right. people do do private they, people do do uh they they do private events you know sure and and there's you know corporate gigs that hire huge talent and, and things like that it's not uncommon but again what's it's so funny about fire media yeah yeah well going through like your manager and your booking thing i it just seems kind of like like one of the Migos like offset just being like, Oh, I got a notification on my phone. We're yeah, going like, to oh, play I this. Guess, uh, like, it doesn't really, yeah, can I, can I perform it's August like, 17th? Like a book, yeah. Like a manager or something like, okay, we're going to like put this together and kind of go through this whole thing. And maybe that's indicative of how the festival was is in his mind. He's like, it's just this easy. I just book the things and then it happens. Right. In reality, there's a ton of logistics that has to happen. Right, and 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 we'll get into that with with, with the music uh, in in just a second. So the festival itself was to take place April 28th through the 30th, and then again May 5th through the 7th in 2017, and it took place in Great Exuma in the Bahamas. It was originally supposed to be on a private island previously owned by Pablo Escobar, and that was the whole thing was it was advertised originally as like on a island owned by pablo escobar and the thing is with firefest the more things started not happening they didn't remove that shit from like from the ads or from the flyers mm -hmm. it was just like right like like on a private island owned by pablo escobar which also like let's just stop glorifying criminals like period it, well, <laughs> like you know that i think that says a lot about the potential people who are going to be there if that is a draw you're like yeah. dude we got to go to this festival Fucking like it was on an island oh it was on pablo escobar's island like that seems like such a fucking dumb like kind of high schooler thing to get excited about exact yes it's like okay like so let me guess you have like a scarface poster in your room that says like <laughs> hustle underneath it yeah, or, or the like the world is yours yeah, <laughs> yeah. grind yeah. like mm -hmm. yeah, like any of that shit like never yeah like always hungry like or like <laughs> exactly. any of that shit and also it's like yeah it's built around like the whole thing was was driven by these ads with every major influencer an influencer as a whole, like just what that means. That's such a millennial thing. Like it's such a new wave of celebrity. Like 
like, you know, because you could be a spokesperson or something, but I love the term influencer. It makes it seem so, like, totalitarian. It's like, no, I influence people's minds. I influence people's <laughs> spending. It's like, it's not like, right. oh, no, I really like this celebrity, like, they said to drink Coke, so I'm going to drink Coke. It's like, no, this influence, like, these are celebrities, like, built around telling you what new, like, bamboo-handled toothbrush to get or, like, whatever. Right, it's right. like they are there to influence you, and that's very kind of dark to me. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, but, but I mean, it is this relatively new freaking phenomenon. So it they it got, is like, the thing, yeah. Kendall it, it, Jenner, and Bella Emily Hadid Radijowski. was there. Haley Bieber, virtually yeah. every major model with like you know million millions upon millions of followers. You know, like for instance, Kendall millions Jenner. Millions of influence. They have millions of influence. Yes, yes. Uh, Kendall Jenner was paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for one post about Firefest on right. on her Instagram. And the thing is, is <laughs> it is very sick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's meanwhile, like we pay like a hundred bucks to like have like, you know, an extra 60 people see one of our posts. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, I think well, it's funny. I will do it. I think cameo is a funnier, more realistic version of what it would actually look like. Like, for instance, I love the one of uh, Vince Neal wishing that guy a happy birthday and he can like barely like he obviously read the guy's name once and was just like, I'm going to do this shit as quickly as possible. Get my 75 bucks and out and Vince Neal's right. just kind of mumbling like happy birthday. You, you, you go, go happy birthday. Guy. Yeah, rock on. Like, <laughs> that's like a more accurate representation of how it's actually going to go down. You know? Well, I mean, we, we, we used cameo for podcast 99. We, we found the Jean Witherspoon of seven dust on there. And I got to say that was money. Well spent. <laughs> like, that was true. He actually had some memories. That was very personal. Yeah. Was, yeah. He, he delivered. Great. He totally delivered. Yeah. I, I would do it again. Uh, but this, but like now knowing that he was so cool about it, I would just send him like straight up like three to four interview questions. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but anyways, so fire produced these ads. They had a camera crew. And the thing is, again, with Firefest, like it's all by the seat of their pants. No one really knew what the fuck was going on. So it's like. Okay, I'm being hired to film all of these models, like the top models in the fucking world, party with Ja Rule, who hasn't had a hit in over 10 years, and Billy right. McFarlane, who is uh, this tech guy who, like, was really good at giving the appearance that he was successful. Like he was known for uh, one of his past projects, which, which happened in 2013, I believe it was called Magnesis. And it was a credit card company that he created that would give you like, first of all, the big thing was that the credit cards were metal. So like you would like throw you down your card, like when you're paying for dinner and it would be like clink. And like, everyone was like, Whoa, what's that? But also right. there is stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. You would get like benefits at like cool hip places. So it's like, oh, like whatever coffee shop or juice bar or clothing store. Like if it if you were douchey enough to have a magnesis card, you probably shopped at all these places, too. So you would get discounts and then you would also get access to a like posh like clubhouse where other magnesis users were granted access to and you never knew who was going to show up maybe ja rule will be there one time or like yeah. whatever it's just like maybe like billy, billy McFarlane. McFarlane really yeah yeah it's like they really just like kind of anchor themselves around ja rule like and it's probably because other celebrities that were you know, I mean, not to say that Ja Rule is unsuccessful, but again, it's been a while since he was, you know, in the serious spotlight. 
And like mm-hmm. Firefest was the biggest thing that happened to Ja Rule for at least like 10 years. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's like, Definitely. okay, like, I mean, I liked your shit when I was in junior high. Like, you know, sure. Like Ja Rule's here. Other great. Than, I guess getting like shit talked by 50 Cent a lot. I feel like the two of them both, they like had some unresolved beef from like the early 2000s. And then it took to just like a bunch of Twitter stupid shit yeah twitter me and then ja rule like he can't he can't catch a break like after Firefest, then everyone just started tearing apart every video they could find of him and like yeah he, he just became a kind of a laughing stock but anyway so these camera crews were hired to go down to this fucking private pablo escobar-esque island where you're having to be flown in on these really shitty like you know just planes that could fit only a couple people with a guy who learned how to fly using microsoft flight simulator that's literally what the pilot said He's like, you can actually learn yeah. how to fly a plane using that. <laughs> and like, you get there, all the biggest models are there, and you're just filming shit. There's no planned shots, there's no film schedule. It's just like people getting drunk and partying. And they did like a mannequin bro, challenge. Film this. Yeah, bro, yeah. Bro. Yeah. Film oh, this dude, shit. no, this is going to be fire. We're going to get on the jet skis. We're going to get on the jet skis. Yeah. And then like, they yeah. went and like petted like the wild pigs that hang out there. And like, that's a thing. But it's all just to make it seem like this hugely like exclusive experience is coming and like if you're interested in any of this shit then you need to be here otherwise you're going to be missing out on what could possibly be the biggest most influential uh and i don't like pun totally yeah, intended exactly. with influential exactly. fucking you know event ever but even the models were confused and the thing was though now there's different laws for this because of, because of what happened but the models it it seemed i mean Anyone that isn't into influencer culture, like if you're like a kind of cynical pop culture person like myself, you would look at those posts and know that they're not posting that because they're like so excited to go. You'd be like, oh, yeah, they definitely got paid to post this. But a lot of people don't think like that because human beings as a whole are stupid. So they're like, oh, like these models are are really going to this shit. And like, wow, all these people are going and hold a shit. But it, it never said like hashtag advertisement or hashtag like sponsored by, which now you have to hashtag do that. ad. That's the lamest thing. Well, well no, but That's now you have to do that. <laughs> well, you have to at least like wreck or like put the company in or something well no you have to in, in more, it, you have to say that it's a sponsored or like post. oh right right like, like you know paid, what i mean paid paid like, so like, yeah so yeah. usually it'll say like hashtag ad in all the other hashtags that like the company will pay you to put or it'll say like sponsored post like right at the top and then it'll be the message that you were paid to put because it's like yeah it's false advertising it's like you know what i mean like that's what it right. is and people were were thinking like well if a celebrity of this stature like kendall jenner you know is gonna be going to this then obviously everything's all worked out and like if it's good enough for her like it's got to be good enough for me like so why right. not but you had no idea that it's like that was all just an elaborate campaign to get you to go and then the yeah. li- the lineup was very kind of off it was like major laser taiga migos those three fit together but then it's like blink 182 was gonna play and good music and there there was like several others but those are kind of like the the top tier i mean it was mostly like popular rap and then major laser which kind of is 
popular EDM, and then Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, so I mean, it is it is, a, it is a, a good lineup, but I just remember being weird like, the, one. like Blink One Eighty Two didn't really fit in with the rest of the stuff, but like whatever, <laughs> you know. That, but that was that was the lineup, and it was a multifaceted event, meaning that there was going to be like yoga workshops, and there was going to be five star catering from like Star Catering, and there was going to be all sorts of different cuisines, and there was going to be like classes you could take, and like networking meetups, and you know, sponsored posts, and there was going to be like. You know, depending on what package you got, you could get on like a yacht party that was sponsored by, you know, Kendall Jenner or fucking, you know, you could go do like a cabana thing with, you know, the Hadids or whatever the fuck it was. You know, they kept building out all this extra shit that you could do. But again, the more shit you wanted to do, the more thousands of dollars you had to lay out. I mean, we're talking like starting ticket prices are about like a thousand bucks. And keep in mind, you have to get there. You know what I mean? So you're you're. Airfare from, I believe, Miami to the Bahamas was included in your ticket price, but you had to get to to Miami, you know, and then and then then back and all that stuff. And then also there was like going to be these like luxury like tents, basically, that ended up being like FEMA style tents. Like, right. but, but yeah. they were advertised as like villas and cabanas with like fully furnished, you know, things in carpet and stuff. And it was like air conditioning, everything that you could expect from a top tier tropical vacation with a concert included was promised. And they just started running out of money because nothing right. was working out. They couldn't do well, it on Pablo Escobar's Island yeah. first because yeah. they had, they would have to completely level all the plant life and everything in order to like build the area for this. So then they move it to great Exuma where they do have like a, a tourist like uh, you know, there, there is like a they have some more there's a tourism market there. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's attractions. They do big sailing competitions there and stuff. But the thing was, is right when Firefest was happening, this giant boat race was happening. So most of the hotels and stuff were totally booked out way before. So then they're scrambling to try and find houses and 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 build tents and stuff for all these guests. And the clock is ticking and things are going down. And then also there was no running water or electricity in the area that they were in. So they had to put all that in themselves and people you know, there's not enough employees for this, so they start hiring locals and all that stuff. You'll hear way more about that in the in the intro. But essentially what happened was Acts start hearing what what's happening, so Blink One Eighty Two drops out, and they drop out publicly, and then little by little, these things start coming into the news about Firefest and about how it's not really all it seems, and pictures from the site start being leaked uh, from within the the like closed circle of the people involved, and it becomes this farce, you know. And again, you'll hear all about that from from our survivor, but the backlash was amazing. It was like one of the best parts of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, it was. It was incredible because you were because you were seeing it. You were, I mean, as a lot of things these days, you're seeing it kind of unfold right before your eyes, and you're getting all these different social media posts. And then, I mean, I guess kind of the one thing is because it was a a luxury festival, so you kind of had to be paying a lot even to do the minimum there. So there was a bit of a sort of oh look at these rich people like right well that that is the thing and so then it did kind of have this other edge to it of just like they deserved it or like oh dumb rich people getting duped or you know right like for instance at woodstock 99 you know yes there was all sorts of knuckleheads and terrible people they're doing bad shit for sure but no one like if something bad happened to you as an attendee at woodstock 99 no one said that you deserved it 
But when they saw people flipping over the trucks and burning shit and tearing the place apart because of the price gouging stuff, everyone was like, those corporate bigwigs deserved it. You know, like, whereas Mm. with Firefest, from the people that put it on to the people that went with tickets, the public perception was that you all deserve this because everyone likes seeing, like, you know, presumed spoiled kids uh, fall flat on their face. And that's, that's essentially what was happening because you would see these like, you know, shaky cell phone videos of kids like scrambling to get their luggage. And then it was like a free for all for tents. And you see the CEO of the whole thing, like standing on a box, like trying to like call everyone to order. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And it's like, dude, like you will never see that. Like, he didn't even have a megaphone. It's like, you know, you're talking a multi-million yeah. dollar festival and the guy that's in charge of everything is like standing on a box yelling at a bunch of kids like it's a fucking field trip and everyone's trying to find their lunches. Like that that's like how yeah. it came off. And the there locals the too were all lunch fucked. Pick. I remember that. Yeah, okay. That, that's the big the thing. Picture of the lunch, yeah. Yeah, so so again, everyone was promised five-star catering like, you know, you're going to have sushi and Indian food and all sorts of cool stuff made by the top chefs that were going to be flown in and it's just going to be this whole experience, everything you could think of. And uh, cuz the thing with influencers is there's all sorts of different kinds. So in order to make a festival that appeals to the top influencers, you need to have like yes, of course, the music is kind of the the focal point, but you know, you want to have the yachts and you want to have the beautiful setting and you want to have these villas and places for people to take pictures and you want to have food for the foodie influencers, the, the, the plates that you could take a picture of. And Mm -hmm. that totally backfired because the only picture of food that got leaked was this sandwich where it's literally like a jailhouse cheese sandwich. Yeah. It was that floppy. That's the thing is for whatever reason, we all can collectively accept the floppy yellow, that American cheese. Yeah, I'll tell. Yeah, but that, the that's floppy fine. white. The floppy white is like just <laughs> looks so disgusting. Right. It's not <laughs> part of our. It's not part of the culture. I mean, except for on a cheesesteak, but it's got to be melted. Melted. Gotta yes. Be melted. No, this is like like uh, a couple years ago. It was popular to throw like a piece of cheese like on your cat or your baby's face. Like it looks like <laughs> yeah. this, this. I don't know where the fuck that came from, by the way. But this was like that. Like it was like there was like okay, here's some wheat bread. Throw a piece of white cheese on it, and then there's like a little soggy bit of salad in the corner. And it's like this was the five star catering. Now that's been debunked because. The food that people were actually eating, including all the employees, like those cheese sandwiches were meant for like on the go snacks for the employees. Those weren't ever supposed to make it out to the attendees. But apparently about like to what some of the um, kitchen staff said about six of those sandwiches somehow made it out into the grounds. Mm. And, and, and that's what happened. But really, when you look at the food, no, it was like, I mean, it doesn't look fantastic, but it's like, you know grilled chicken with a salad and like, you know, some pasta or whatever. It was like what you would expect at like a massively staffed fucking catered thing, you know, but the cheese sandwich is what made, made the news. But we, we, we talk about that with Kathleen too. She gets into the, into the food, but yeah, overall the, the whole thing was just a total disaster and, and they ran out of money every which way they could. Um, and then customs, you know, started fucking with them because they started seeing how shitty everything was and how shoddily everything was being thrown together in last minute. And it was still hard to contact people and 
no one knew who was in charge of what. So at one point they were they were banning water. You know, the customs wasn't going to release these like hundreds of thousands of gallons of Evian water because it had to be Evian uh, being brought in, you know, and, and then like, I mean, and again, there's no running water. So it's like, that is the water for the festival. Like we need that, you know, it's right. like, and like showers and stuff were never hooked up or, or anything. So there's just a lot of stuff. And then another thing that they did, which I thought was really shysty is when they started running out of money uh, before the festival was set to happen. Billy had this idea where he's like, well, what if instead of paying with your credit cards or real cash, we give you these wristbands that you load money onto. And so right. they, they put out this wristband. So now everyone that bought a ticket is now loading money into this account run by fire. And then they, you start using that to, you know, pay for bands deposits or like pay off like stage hands or whatever the fuck they needed. So they're spending all this money before they even had it. And it's like, right. And that's a Ponzi scheme, by the way. Yeah, it was. Because, I mean, isn't that, I mean, that, you know, we won't, we can't know for certain, but I think in part maybe the escalation of all those luxury uh, offers is because, yeah, you're like, all right, well, shit, like now the the PA company is like knocking down our door. We got to have a fucking speaker system for this to happen. So we got to pay them. Now we're screwed. Okay, let's do some luxury tent shit and then like boost that. And then some suckers will you know, throw down $10,000 for that. Now I have right. some more money. Oh shit. Now the fucking catering company. Is All right, like let's throw a yacht party, $10,000 a ticket for a yacht party. If we can get, uh, right. if we can get a hundred people to pay that, um, you know, for like an exclusive, like Kendall Jenner yacht party. Okay, great. Now we got like another right. million, you know? So it's like, they're constantly doing that without, every time without any add, intention of using it properly. Right. Cause every time you add a new element to an event, I mean, you kind of have to, if your intention is to actually see it through and you say oh we're gonna have this thing you got to think about that whole other thing i mean let's let's put it simply like you got a party it's just beer right okay you got beer you need cups let's really go let's have tequila you need some shot glasses you yeah. need some lime and you need some salt you don't if you don't have those things you're not really bringing it the way it should be right brought. exactly and if and if you decide to in order to get the tequila and the shot glasses that, well, okay, so we'll just start selling the beer, but you don't have money for the beer. So instead you start telling people that they need to prepay for the beer in order for you, right. like for the end game being that you're going to buy tequila. But like, you know what I mean? So I love how we're doing this like party yeah, economics. By the, end, <laughs> by the end, you've like, you maybe are just pouring some like Mr. Boston's vodka down people's throats. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's and what like, it is. Here's that's your tequila. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, well, I'm here. And, you know, yeah. from the start, people, the influencers realized that things were not okay. You know, it's like the, the only good time that people had, like when they got there, um, they started playing music from the stage because the, the main stage was built. But it is a small stage. It is not like the main stage at any other festival you go to. I mean, granted, they were on a small island, so it couldn't be that big. But still, it's not, you know, like that. And that was a big thing with Blink-182 when they dropped out. They said that they weren't confident that they would be given the tools that they need to throw the show that they're, you know, that their fans are expecting. And it's like, yeah, because you're putting a headlining band on an opener stage. Mm -hmm. And like, that's yeah. just kind of ha how it was. So, but they're playing music, just like a playlist of artists like that were supposed to play and people are starting to show up. Nothing's happening. And Billy, the, the main guy is just kind of cruising around drinking, like minus the one time he got up on boxes to yell at everyone about their luggage. Like he's acting like nothing's happening. And meanwhile, he had this whole team of like seasoned social media 
people like being like this. Okay, we don't have any of this shit. There's nothing that we have here. And they were basically yeah. told like, hey, uh, if you want to get paid, shut up. You know, mm-hmm. like and, and then eventually what happened was he got hit with all sorts of fraud counts. And Billy McFarlane was sentenced to six years in prison for that and fined, I think, like, I mean, millions of dollars. Like, Fire Media was was fined a shitload of fucking money for this because, yeah, it really fucked with people. Now, it didn't necessarily fuck with the people that went and bought tickets and got gypped. I mean, yes, that that's a huge loss. And some people, like, did scrape up what they had to go to this because they weren't, you know, the, these millionaire influencers. They were just kids that liked that stuff and, like, wanted to go to the concert. So they, you know, they, they, some of the, some of the kids did get fucked over for the most part, they didn't. But the people that really got it were the people that lived on the Island where it was because mm-hmm. they were all hired to do construction work and stagehand stuff and infrastructure and cooking and catering. And some of these people were just left penniless, totally broke. You had to give it up everything to, to work at this thing and were never paid, put in so many resources of their own. Like for instance, restaurants were hired to do the catering. So these restaurants now are paying for all of this extra food and all this extra man hours to, you know, keep this huge staff fed. And then the money never came in. So they're just totally fucking outed on that. Yeah. And that's, that's the real it's tragedy. Sad. Mm-hmm. You know, and Definitely. and there was no, I mean, there was no reported like assaults or or anything, or really any any even theft for that for that matter. Um, and there wasn't really too much for anyone to even tear apart ninety nine style, anyways, because there was a giant storm the night before everyone was really supposed to get there. So all of the tents that were just furnished, and they were furnished very sloppily and quickly, as we will learn from Kathleen, the fire survivor. But like everything was already destroyed, so it's like even if you wanted to loot and like tear shit down you really couldn't like it was just kind of fucking already done for you so the whole thing was just a bust and when and then they came out with two documentaries about it one on hulu which was called fire fraud and then one on netflix which was called fire the greatest party that never happened or something along those lines um Mm -hmm. i've watched both have you seen both of them i watched both yeah yeah they're both really great and and really worth watching um the things that the hulu one has that the netflix one doesn't is they actually have the founder billy mcfarlane in there um you know somehow before he was sentenced he's in it you know so so you have that aspect and it's it's a little more serious and it's a little more um like uh it's just a little more serious, you know what I mean? It's it's not so goofy. It's not so making fun of everyone. It's more focused on like the fraud aspect and the scam aspect. Whereas you have the Netflix one, which has a lot of great people. Like their like key guys is this dude. Uh, I think his name is Steve. Um, gray haired, uh, you know, gay yeah, gay yeah. gentleman he, he who. Was a meme. Yeah, yeah, he he became he, he became a meme. A dick or something. Yeah, yeah, he was he was fully prepared to or walk into his office of and yeah. <laughs> yeah, suck that man's dick or, or whatever the fuck he yeah, said. Whatever he said. Yeah, totally worth watching. Uh, both of them, and you get you know all the great footage in each one. Just a little bit of yeah. a, a difference in storytelling. The, the Netflix one was known because it was the Netflix one was produced by Jerry Media, who is a uh, you know fuck Jerry. Um, right, and they they were hired is, to do the fire and Fest they were promotion. hired by Firefest to handle it so uh you know people were kind of like oh there's a there could be a conflict of interest um i mean in the netflix one everyone kind of representing jerry media who's on screen certainly there is a bend of like we there's a there's a deflection of uh responsibility there so you know a little controversy possibly uh 
you know, a, a conflict of interest there. But yeah. our interview we've got has uh, information that I didn't get in either. Yeah, and, and you know, Some Kathleen, and if you go to our Patreon, and we will post uh, at least one picture on our Instagram, but if you sign up for patreon.com slash culture dumps, I put up the uh, original given out to employees fire site map. And I'm also going to put up the email that they sent to everyone that includes like what clothes to bring and you know, what your kind of daily routine would be and, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you can just tell from top to bottom that the whole thing is going to be a farce. So without further ado, let's get into the survivor story aspect of this episode. This is me and Kathleen Sweds' conversation about her time at Firefest. Hello. We are Hello. here. This is Podcast 99. Today, we are not talking about Woodstock 99. We are talking about something very Woodstock 99 adjacent. I am joined by Kathleen Sweds, and you worked at the notorious Firefest. This is true. All right. So walk me through that. What what was kind of your work experience leading up to that? How did you get the job? What was your job description? Kind of let, let, let's let's set it up here. So um, perfect. I, I'm from Idaho originally. I'm from the middle of nowhere. Um, and so I moved to Miami when I was in my 20s and I got hired to do gay pride. Um, and up until that point, like I literally thought events were like the drummer brings in his own drums. Like I didn't realize stages had to be built. And so I got in, you know, I got indoctrinated by events through gay pride. And basically after a couple years of doing that, I was hired to do art Basel and it's in November, like last weekend in November, first week of December. And I was hired to do a Madonna silent auction, a Kendrick Lamar concert and a Kanye West, like magazine talk. And so huge in events. that, <laughs> that that's yeah, like major, major names. It was, it was really crazy. At one point um, we were, we were opening a building that Madonna was like going to be doing this silent um, auction in, and I was trapped in an elevator and it was a brand new building. So like the, when we called the fire department, they were like, what elevator are you in? I have no clue. And at the same time we were like, Hey, we need help. And you could hear on the walkie, Madonna's walking up the red carpet. So like <laughs> they clearly could give two shits less about us. But so during that event, they had hired um, a VIP like staffing service. And they were these pretty model types that were pretty much just passing out champagne or just like there to look good. And so that was how I met the company that would hire me. And they literally hired me because they said, I remember what a cunt you were during this event. And like, I figured we would need you. And so <laughs> uh, <laughs> they just, all the models were like eating our food at one point, one of their like, you know, skinny model, pretty girl type. She was puking in the bathroom and we were like, girl, you gotta, you gotta go. And she was like, I'm not leaving this bathroom. And I just remember having to pee while this girl was just like kind of curled up in the corner, just heaving. And like, I just God. remember being like, these people are a bunch of bitches. So <laughs> A couple months later, I get an email from them and they're like, hey, we're about to do this event um, and they have a lot of staffing requirements. Like, would you be willing to work for us? And I was like, "Fuck, I don't, I don't know. But like, all right, I guess so. My roommates were going to do it. Other people that I had worked with were going to do it. So, um, yeah. So moving up to it, like I had I had done other events. I had kind of had this brief sweep with this company and my like, um, I don't know. My observation of them was that like, yeah, it was just a bunch of pretty people that like 
and couldn't really lift a finger. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I wasn't aware of the whole social media background. Like I didn't follow any of those people. I didn't see any of those orange squares. Right. So, yeah, me neither. I just kind of saw the the aftermath when it, when it happened. I feel like you had to well, be into that, like really into that scene to even have been exposed to it before all the chaos happened. Completely agreed. Yeah. Like I didn't follow the Jenners. I was not, I didn't see any of the videos. So I was, I was just more like, Hey, you're getting hired. Like you're going to be doing literally, um, I sent you, or one of the pictures I sent you is the email that said like, please wear resort clothing, which I don't even know what that is. So I brought a bunch of beach clothes, like just like breezy pants and stuff. So I could tell it was going to be like, um, like an upscale Coachella, I think was how it was being presented to the, like to us. And so, and an upscale, I mean, I an upscale was, Coachella. I mean that that's already like the world's premier festival. So like they they were really trying to pull out all the stops for this for this thing. But I'm just I was such a noob because I'm from like the mountains, like the middle of nowhere. That I was just like, okay, sure, let's go to the Bahamas then. Like right. <laughs> I even working with like Kendrick Lamar, I was like, I I just was like, okay, like let's do this. You know, it wasn't. I guess I hadn't ever been around that type of um, like city atmosphere where people built celebrities up so much. So it was like, okay, let's do this. Like it's another gig. And it was just, yeah. So I was, I was just like, okay, let's go to the Bahamas. It was two weeks. So there were going to be two different weekends, but we were set to fly in on Tuesday and that was, and the event was going to be on Friday. So like we were going to be there for the kind of setup portion too. Right. But, um, but yeah, so so working up to it, it was just like a lot of us were going to be going in for Miami and um, we we got on the jet and it was a private jet. But like to me, a private jet, I always imagine this like super lush experience. Private jet to the Bahamas was pretty much like code for small plane. Um, Scary that small was piloted, plane. <laughs> yeah, piloted by like, you know, uh, a pilot that most likely couldn't clear like any kind of official standards so oh my god and, the plane i think had, and i like, saw i mean because you sent us this great like packet of like yeah like pictures you had taken and, and a lot of the employee stuff and the itinerary like you, you had sent seems like i mean i i'm not familiar with with you know working events of that size and all that stuff but it just seemed really cluttered like it's like this plane that plane like this boat that boat it just seemed like really complicated from the get-go well, and speaking of the boat thing, I get really seasick. So I was already like, fuck, here we go. We're going to be put on like a cruise ship. Because at first it was like, oh, there's going to be enough space on the island. You guys will all have, um, like, you'll all have your own little houses you'll be in. But that did not happen. It was all it was all kind of touch and go from the beginning. So it was like, we were just getting emails. And it was like, yeah, be here at this time. Our flight, um, I just looked at that, like, our flight had been changed. We were originally supposed to go at a certain time. That got pushed back. So... It was kind of, it, it ended up literally the whole situation was like, it was be, it was on the tip of your toes, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. But yeah, so then once we got to the Bahamas, um, we got in on a Tuesday and we got in from what I remember, like the Miami to Bahamas is not that far of a destination. So we got in in the afternoon and very similar to the attendees, we were kind of shuttled around the island, like shown different places. And we weren't shown the FEMA tents. Like we weren't shown that until the next day. So that whole, that evening, once we got to the Bahamas and ev all the team got together, it was probably like a hundred of us. 
and again the pretty model types and so we got taken to this production house and basically got introduced to all these different producers and they had like a shitty meal prepared for us like grilled chicken and salad it was very like oh god see i saw, you know, like, I saw a been picture my first of, of the of a grilled chicken plate at firefest because i was reading you know about the you know the notorious sandwich which i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll get to you know uh, that section of <laughs> firefest in a little bit but um you know the the sandwich thing it, the picture of the really shitty cheese sandwich that that went viral but from what my understanding was is that that there was only you know a few of those that just so happened to be that that picture got big but i saw the other food and yeah it was like grilled chicken and stuff but it was still very much staffer stuff it's not the five star thing that that people were expecting or promised or that you would one would assume would be there with all the other stuff going into it completely agreed and everything was supposed to be catered too so like it so we get so we have that meal and that should have been my first red flag of like okay this is what they're already like giving us and we get taken to the and everything we were all on school buses and so we get ferried over on these school buses to the main stage and it was night at this point and i i sent a picture of that but so they show us the main stage and to my luck um one of the guys who was the stagehand he worked at other events with me in Miami and he and I had kind of hooked up before. So I was like, perfect. There's someone else here. He always had weed. So <laughs> as soon as I saw the stage that I made a beeline for it and like he rolled a joint really quick. So I was like, awesome. Someone like that isn't one of these model types. Cool. Right. So we get ferried back to this um, cruise ship somehow. Again, luckily I didn't have like a roommate or anything. Cause I get seasick and I was like ready for that. And, um, and yeah, and the next morning, it was Wednesday morning. So the next morning, to get to from the cruise ship where all of us were stationed, all the staff was stationed, to the uh, the main island, you had to take a tender. And it was like a little boat that they claim is like unsinkable, but they're, it's these really funny little boats. And they have um, big open hatches on each side. And they can only fit maybe like 10 people, but they would take us from the ship into the to the main part of the island. So on that Wednesday, it was like, okay, everybody kind of all hands on deck and we get taken to the FEMA tent city part. And I just sent, I oh, sent yeah. you like a map like that, um, that like you could feel free to post, but I sent oh, a map that, yeah. has, that has kind of like what we were given. And so <clears throat> that island right by where the main stage was, right, um, right beside that was all of these FEMA tents. And so we were taken kind of through that. And then we were parked at that pr production house where like in the documentary, it's where Billy comes out and is like on top of something. And he's kind of trying to help direct people. Right. Um, which is so crazy because he's like the CEO of the whole thing. I mean, that is so not a job for someone in his you know position to be doing, uh, especially, I, not, I mean, no megaphone or anything even, you know, just to, to I be standing to on top. Him. Yeah. I got to meet him and he was uh, just a total doofus, I guess, like very airhead. But so, so that was where we, so all of us get sent over there for this employee orientation and it's these, this model staff that I'm in. And then it's some local Bahamian women that were um, like going to be the maid service basically. So we're all getting this debriefing and very similar to like Woodstock 99, we're told, Hey, weed is kind of like legal on this Island. So like, don't really worry about that. You know, just, like, worry more about, like, violence and stuff. But, like, you know, people might – I don't think fires was mentioned, but it was more like, hey, like, don't really worry unless you see something, like, really crazy. Right, exactly. So during this meeting, they showed us what had been promised. They showed us what people had bought. 
the different packages, the different tiers, the different prices. And then they obviously were like, well, you see what's outside, you know, like they're like, this is, you know, nobody's going to be getting any of this. So was everyone in the room kind of just like looking at each other at the time or was there any lap? Like, did anyone call bullshit on it? Like as it's happening or was it kind of just like an unspoken thing where it's like, okay, we all kind of secretly know that this isn't happening, but let's just go with the motions or were people from the start. Like, yo, this is fucked. It was unspoken between, I would say my, my portion of the staff was divided because it was me, my roommate, my two roommates, and then like several of our gay friends. So that little gay portion was very in the know. Like our, my gays were like checking Twitter and they were like, Oh, Blink-182 just dropped out. So they were very aware, like this was going to be a shit show, but the pretty model people were almost like, uh, like either unfazed, didn't care, weren't aware. They were just like, you know, they were like, I'll just go to my cruise ship then. Right. Couldn't be bothered. Yeah. And so uh, during this meeting, like another red flag, you know, Hey, like we're not going to be giving these people any villas, not even a yurt. We're going to give people straight up FEMA. Right. And so, um, so yeah. So right as that meeting is kind of dispelling, and some of the people are like the models are going back to the cruise ship, and me and the gays are kind of hanging around. Like I would, I, I truly didn't want to be on the ship as much as possible because I, I get seasick. So I was like, let let me stay on the island as long as I can. Um there's this producer and she was really high strung and she was on her phone and she just comes in and she was one of those that's like cursing every five seconds. And she was just like, fuck, we have no fucking ice on this fucking Island. And <laughs> I'm like, no ice, like retro, like all the food is catered. What? Like there's no electricity either. So yeah. How is I, that working? Like, well, what was so, the infrastructure like for the staff upon arriving? You know, I mean, oh, like it was, other than the main stage, there weren't tower lights. There were nothing at, at night for to for people to see. So, like, it was it's an uninhabited island up until these people decided to to have this festival. So, like, no running water, no electricity. They paved the roads. The the producers of the shit. Um, so she's come. So she comes in. She says, like, we don't. There's no fucking ice. And I'm like, well, I can call Tropical Ice in Miami. Like, lol. Just kind of like joking. She goes, do it. Call. Oh my god. I call they get a hundred thousand pounds of ice on the way. So I, at that point, that was when I was like, okay, we might have a problem here. Like they don't really have all their ducks in a row. So we get the ice. Now I leave their little producer's house to go like walk the you know perimeter, just go see what, you know, see what the footprint looks like. And it was sketchy. Um, they had fencing that was halfway up. I think I have a picture of that. They have um, in the in the map, you can see there's like water in the middle of the island, almost kind of like a little lake, I guess. But it was it was like a ditch filled with water and they had tried to put fencing around it. Didn't happen. They didn't finish that. Oh, my God. Um, there weren't any like water facilities that were either like clearly marked. The tents were not designated. So if you just showed up and you were like, where's my tent? You would not know. And so you know, I'm like, all right, let's do this. I want to get my hands dirty. So I'm like, how can I help? My first job was building beds. So they have (laughs) all of these. Yep. They have. And is that like what you were initially there to do? I mean, I mean, what like, yeah, I was about to say, what actually, what, what were you like, were you expecting to be doing versus what you ended up doing? I was expecting to be wearing resort clothing and not lifting a finger like those other pretty models that I had seen during the Kendrick Lamar event. And I expected to be like 
a pretty like doing a pretty person job so then once my like spidey senses started to tingle that like they might need some like production hands i was like well you know i'm here i could i could might as well help so because at that point it also seemed like the festival would still be happening you know like none of us were like yeah this isn't gonna work like let's just give up and you guys are what, I, like a week out by that point before? No, uh, we were two days. Oh my god! <laughs> on at at Wednesday, the festival was started on Friday. Oh, so like okay. this, so all of this shit sh- should have completely been done. The fencing should have been the first thing that was done. But this is um, an interesting point. So one of the things that I was told and like witnessed with my own eyes, so I do believe, is that other than like us producers there wasn't any type of um, outside like workforce that was brought in. Somehow the Bahamians, I want to say, were like, hey, if you want to do this festival here, you have to hire our people. And what I understood was that they had like given them half of the money up front and they were going to pay the rest of the locals at the end. And so some of the locals like took the money and ran. So there was right. supposed to be like very a Woodstock ninety nine ish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. There was supposed to be like a thousand Bahamians scheduled to help, and then there were like two hundred that actually were there. Ugh. And they were on island time, so they were definitely chilling. And it was just yeah. So they they weren't like you know the most um they didn't really have the most compelled like energy to to, to want to finish this um this festival. So so I'm building these beds, and you know. It's, doing my doing my thing trying to help and i get pulled to do something else you know very it seemed to be the you know the fire fest thing was like all right we're gonna do one thing half finished let's start another thing right so my my next job was to outfit the tents so the tents that already had beds in them they wanted me to go and like dress the tents up so in every tent some tents had like one bed some had two Every tent had Ikea furnishings. The bed was Ikea. The mattress was Ikea. They had like shitty Ikea blankets. They had um, a four, like it was like a little, I guess you would say like a shelf. It had like four little slots. They, everybody got two towels, a washcloth, and then there were mirrors. And the mirrors come into play later, but every tent had a mirror in it. So, um, so they're like shitty. So pr- it's like a, it's like a really low, key furnished room like oh barely yeah oh absolutely the blankets you know and this is the bahamas so it wasn't like you know they didn't need to have thick blankets but it just any any rich person would walk in there see the ikea tag and be like what what in the actual fuck like they would be pissed and so um so i help you know outfit these tents this is wednesday night and go back, go back to my merry little ship and like, you know, and, and sleep and hope that everything's just going to be perfect when I wake up. Um, and that night, which is in the documentary, there was a huge storm. And so, yeah. And that, I mean, so I'm, I'm guessing the weather was pretty, I mean, it was super hot from my understanding. It was very humid. And then to have a storm, it just makes you, that's just the, my least favorite weather ever is rain when it's hot. And I just can't imagine how gross that is, but also it totally just destroyed everything. Like it is what it showed in the footage. The other thing too, is you have to remember that people were working on this festival for, they had producers that had been living on this Island. So, there were people that snapped like on Wednesday, there were some people that snapped because of the heat, just because of, of, I think also realizing that everything they were working towards was like futile effort because like everything was half finished. 
Um, and then on top of it, what you were giving people wasn't even what you promised them. So even if you gave them like a fully finished FEMA tent, they still would have been pissed. So I think there was that, like that air of like, fuck, you know, like this is just like we tried and this is still not, you know, not done. So there's this huge storm. And like I said, we're all on this ship. So there's a bunch of hands that are on this ship, like willing to go and help, but we're all trapped there because the, the captain wouldn't let us go on that little tender from the ship to the shore because the sea was too rocky. Well, I thought, I thought they were unsinkable. What's the problem? Mm. (laughs) No, literally. So, oh, well, so the, um, so one of the chicks on the ship who was one of the producers, she gave me like a anti-nausea pill. And later on, like later that like Friday, when I, when all the shit went down, we got on the tender and it was, it was really rocking. It was like one of those um, carnival rides and she got super scared and I ended up like helping her. So like, we, the producers were really leaning on each other, but so I'm ready. So we finally get to the, um, the Island. It's Thursday, the day before the festival. And there's just been a huge storm. So I would say it's about 2 PM. And when we get to where all the FEMA tents are, which is like right by the main stage, everything's fucking destroyed. Oh, like everything, the, be- the, the, the Ikea bedding is all soaking wet. And of course it's all white. So like any, you can see all the scenes and just like from the, the FEMA tents are soaked themselves. The floors are soaked. So like all of our hard effort was for nothing. How discouraging so, um, is that? Or was it one of those things where, you know, you're, you're kind of just rolling with the punches and everything else was already so fucked up that that was just kind of one more thing to add to the list. Or the was ladder, that like the, the big, ladder. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and at this point, all of my gays, like blink One Eight Two had already pulled out. All of my gays were on Twitter. Like they were just like, like it was a, you know, live feed, like they were like keeping up to date. They were more like, girl, stop worrying. Like, this is clearly not going to happen. Like you might as well kick back type of thing. But at that point, what I also had kind of heard, like the mumblings was that Billy had the opportunity to like almost use some kind of insurance clause, like an act of God, use the storm as some kind of insurance thing. And he could have either like not refunded people or he would have just um, in some way like benefited if he had just used this insurance clause, but he chose to push forward and he chose to, you know, the festival's still going to happen. The show must and go so, on. Mm-hmm. That's so, so insane. I mean, and again, you know, that the whole narrative of Firefest and, you know, hearing it from, from you, you know, someone that was there, it seems to be pretty, uh, you know, cohesive with each other in that, it's just like this madman, you know, who doesn't know what he's doing and it's everything's falling apart around him and he's the only one that doesn't really realize it. And here's a funny, okay, that's a perfect way to put this person because I ended up having lunch with the Evian guy. So the the gay guy who was going to suck dick for Evian. Oh yeah, the star I, of we, the whole show basically. Yep. We were all eating lunch together and like my gaydar went off and I was like, oh, I know he's gay. Like I'm already on his side. And we were going around the site at one point picking up trash. And again, it was one of those futile efforts of like the site was so trash that just picking up a few like pieces of cardboard wasn't really going to help. But, you know, you felt like you were doing something. And I want he wa- I want to say he mentioned like, yeah, you know, like Billy's like a great kid. But, you know, I told him like he kind of had that air about him from what I remember was that like almost this like stepfather type of vibe of like. Yeah, you know, I went with him on this one. Like, I'm trying to, you know, the yeah. kid has a dream, but like, this is how it's turning out. You know, I tr- I tried to tell him, and so yeah. So 
so he uh so let's see so this the site's destroyed i remember i mean i i guess for my memory i would assume that i did my best to like try to help out make sure everybody you know in, in whatever way in capacity i could yeah meanwhile but, the clock's ticking uh, absolutely and at that point i ended up um negotiating with my friend who worked at the main stage i was like hey i can't do this ship anymore like i'm gonna come crash with you I, at that point, thought that um, the festival was going to still be another, you know, two weeks long. So I wasn't like, you know, I just went and grabbed some shit off the boat and went and crashed with the sound guys. And the next morning, it was Friday. So we all go to the site. And what they did was they locked the gates and they kept all the people out. (laughs) And so they, in the documentary, like, now I know, they they were shuttling all the people that had landed or had gotten to you know had gotten there for the fire fest they were like shuttling them around the island and like showing them the site like they were doing everything but taking them to right just stalling actual site and and from i mean there wasn't much to see anyways i mean it was a it was a completely unfinished thing even the stage with it being built because i I saw the picture of you with it that stage is like the small stage at a major festival at best i mean it's no frills really no it wasn't big at all yeah no i completely agree like it wasn't big at all and they one the other thing is there were two stages there was that main stage and then there was a secondary smaller stage on a separate island and this is the island that had the swing set that was in the water where like the models were they filmed that firefest like commercial mm-hmm. so there was even another stage that like had been built and stuff um but so I remember for that Friday, just like, I think waiting for the impending doom. Um, I had my, my crew shirt on. Um, I was ready and yeah, I just, I remember, um, right before one of the local Bahamians like rolled up in his truck and was like, Hey, you looking to party? And he (laughs) gave me a, he gave me a fistful of shitty weed and he gave me a couple papers and went on his way. And so I was like, okay, like that was kind of my first hint that like, the locals might be up to something and that they may be trying to like benefit from some of the people that were there. Well, absolutely. um, We'll, we'll go there later. So, so that Friday, um, yeah, they kept the gate shut. And then I want to say right around the evening time is when they opened the gates. And that's when like, we had somebody from our team that was also in Miami at the airport as a part of our team, like greeting people, you know, like, Hey, you're at the right space. Like, you know, this is the, the private jet place for the Friday fest. And he was, he was communicating with us like, Hey, there are people that are literally like turning others away and telling them not to come. Like what's, what's the sitch down there. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, it's this shit show. So there were, so luckily there weren't as many people that, had shown up. I think there had been enough warning or enough people had maybe just like, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what exactly happened because the other thing is not everybody flew to the Island. Some people brought their yachts. So there were a lot of people that sailed there. <laughs> Must be um, nice. Oh yeah. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, some people were like, Hey, I'm just going to hook or like hang out with these people on their yachts instead of like trying to sleep in a FEMA tent. I would too. Um, and so, like, right around dusk is when all the people started to come. And that's when, like, the tent free-for-all started to begin. I remember the main stage, they were, like, kind of playing some, like, lo-fi hip-hop. Like, they were actually, ha- they actually had some music going on. Right. Um, Which, to the untrained but- eye, it could seem like 
things are going normal. Like if you like, you know, obviously from the inside you would know, but if you were just some kid that landed there, especially a kid who just bought like the bottom tier ticket and you showed up and you heard music and saw a stage, everything would check out at, for a little while. You know what I mean? You, I think, you would be yeah, fooled for be a, a second. There would be a small, yeah, I agree. There might be a small percentage of people that just would be like, okay, like they may not, again, like you said, the lower tier, cause it's the people that were really rich that would have, been absolutely pissed because they would have been like what in the fuck like this is a tent like where's my villa so and they and and just again like you said the untrained eye to anybody else you see those abandoned concierge stands or like if you saw the half put up fencing that would have started bringing some bells or like not seeing the the thing that was to me that was like the first you know what i would have noticed is there's no lighting for like once it goes once it gets dark and there was no water anywhere there was no designated like meeting place for water, for food. Um, and then they didn't have tower lights. The only light source was this main stage oh and this God. production house. Spooky. So it was like, well, yeah. And it's like, these are a bunch of rich kids. So they're like, their cell phone batteries dying. And they're like, daddy, can you send the Uber helicopter? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, it's starting to get dark. I'm getting kind of scared. And they just, I coming from Idaho, I was like, this is like camping, you know, like, right. Yeah. I was about to say to them, it's like terrifying to me. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, going on tour and stuff in like a shitty, like punk band. Like I've stayed in some pretty nasty spots, like, and fire fest, like even just like camping on the beach with nothing seemed pretty nice there, you know, but just the idea that that's like the worst situation that some of these people had ever been in is pretty laughable. And that's kind of the whole, uh, backing theme of Firefest too is kind of just like the egg on the face of the people who we all like to see egg get on the face of completely agreed because like I came from like nothing and so I was like what are you guys so like freaked out about I mean the other thing too is once people started to realize there were yachts and there were other young rich millennials like themselves they just started flocking to the mainland like they ditched the site so it was almost like only the people that really didn't have the means to to get out of that situation we're like okay i guess i'll get my tent and make a fire like <laughs> and to to those people you know what i mean like go for it like that was all you know that's literally what you were left with so why not you had to survive um and so that evening i was still in like my firefest shirt again none of our team had walkies so we were all using whatsapp to communicate um and all of us were scattered around the site like essentially at that point my heart and mind turned from like fuck all these people to like hey there might be some people out there that are kind of freaked out because it was started it was starting to get dark and in the documentary or just like in you know firefest they had these lockers that were supposed to be available for people and they had them on kind of this hill and also right by the lockers was all of their merch they had Firefest hats. They had um, Coleman camping gear. They had Coleman, like, uh, what do you call them? Sleeping bags and shit like that. They mm-hmm. even had lanterns. So they had stuff that they were going to sell, but it was all in boxes. They could have, like, given that to people. Because eventually, all of the shit that was left there was the Bahamians got. Like, they had, it just became theirs. So, right. I mean, it's at like that the point, second they, half of the payment almost. I mean, there you go. So, like, at that point, they should have just distributed it or, like, a nice. Um, you know, citizens should have just ripped it open and been like, Hey everybody, take your sleeping bag. Like, but, um, but so I remember helping this girl who was freaked out. She had stupidly put her pills in like her checked bag. And so I was trying to help her figure out where that was. And so by those lockers that they had set up was a container, like a semi truck container. And it was 
I would say like a quarter of the way filled with bags and they were all pushed to the very back bags on bags on bags on bags and it's dark. So people are using their cell phone light to find oh their bag. And I just remember, I, I remember like leaving that girl there being like, here you go, like figure it out. You know, you got this <laughs> sister and going to, to deal with the next thing. And so uh, all I remember was that night, it was a little hectic and it got dark early, but like, you know, the, it was like the heat was on. All I remember at one point was, um, I needed to go back to the cruise ship for something. And my roommate had, I don't know why, but she had a bunch of bags with her and she was like, could you just please like drop these back off? Okay. No, no worries. So I have like a rolly bag and I have like a briefcase with me. And there were some local Bahamians that were like running people back and forth to town and just, you know, I, I think trying to help out too. Yeah. And I, I jump in the ride, I jump in the shotgun with this, uh, like with the local and these two kids jump in the back and we start driving off. And before I know it, like the two kids jump out of the back and it's just me and this dude by myself. Ooh. And I wasn't, I, yeah, I didn't really start to, it didn't start to kick in. And I'm like, Hey, I need to go to the Marina. You know, I need to go where the boats are. And I can see the lights on the water and he starts to go away from it. And no, I'm like, no, I start to, yeah, I start to get really nervous. And I was like, I grabbed for the door handle and I'm like, stop the car, stop the car. And he, I don't know if he could tell I was getting weird or because I started to like reach in my bags for stuff, but he finally stopped and he stops in the middle of like, a sandy marsh like almost like quicksand and he drives off and i'm in the dark i'm by myself i'm like so freaked out and i just somehow i found the i found the marina i got the boats to where they needed to be and i was like fuck this i just remember seeing the email on the phone saying like everybody take off your firefest shirts like you're no longer affiliated and i was like perfect (laughs) i'm gonna go find (laughs) i'm gonna go find my sound dude and i'm gonna go smoke some weed and i'm gonna be out and I just like, yeah, I just had this, I, it was like scary. I was like, everybody's having some kind of awful experience tonight. Like, of course I wouldn't be spared, but, um, we well, got I back mean, to the you know, In retrospect, it seems like you, you got off pretty easy. Cause that could have, that could have taken a hard left turn. Well, and the other thing too, is I had all these like bags and stuff on me. So I really was, he, he kind of picked the perfect person. Cause I was like weighted down and I couldn't really get away too fast um but luckily i I just again somehow i don't know why but he stopped the car and he didn't mess with me but um but yeah i was just like fuck this place fuck this i want to get out of here fuck these rich people so i get back and i'm like yo my sound friend his name is geo i was like geo let's roll he was like all right i'm just waiting for the sound guys like we're gonna all carpool together just hang down by the main security fence perfect bet so it's just me, some Bahamians were chilling. And one of the girls that uh, was like one of the model girls that was hired with us, she was like, oh, you know, like, what's your plans after this? And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, I'm getting, yeah, like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, you know, I told her I was going to the sound dudes. Like, I, I was like, yeah, they have weed. Like, they have, like, peanut butter and jelly that they bought from the grocery store. Like, I'm not yeah, going to get de- edible stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, these dudes are smart. And so... So she was like, cool, cool. Can I go with you? And I was like, all right, sure. Whatever. Like, so she's now a part of the, uh, like part of the group and she walks off. Her name was Laura. She walks off and she comes, she comes back and she's like, Hey, um, I want you to meet these guys. And I'm like, okay. And I should have known it was a setup, but she walks me over like a little ways. I'd say like, whatever, a couple clicks down the road and there's an escalade. I don't know how the fuck they got an Escalade to the Bahamas, but these rich dudes had one and they were in it. And there's a guy hanging. 
there's a guy hanging out the passenger seat. I would say the car was full, like two dudes up front, two dudes in the back. And Laura basically pawns me off on them. She's like, hey, meet these dudes, bye. And I'm still in my Firefest shirt for, I don't know why. And he goes, um, hey, so like, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm about to leave. And he's like, well, uh, you know, like, why, like, where, where are you going? Like, what are you going to be doing? You know, the festival's kind of shut down. And I was like, yeah, but I'm still trying to help out or whatever, man. Like, I could tell at that point he was trying to hit on me. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm busy. And then he says, well, whatever they're paying you, how about I double it? Oh, and I was God. like, Greasy. and that's when I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get the fuck away from these dudes. And I was like, I was like, nah, man, like, I was like, I'm not a prostitute. Like, that's not like, what the fuck? And he goes, no, 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 come on. Why don't you just come back to the yacht? Like, come party with us. And I was like, no, nah, dude, like, I'm a lesbian. And the guy <laughs> in the back seat goes, I'm into that. And I was like, fuck, like, they're not taking anything for it. <laughs> yeah, answer. and also, like, all right, douche. So, like, <laughs> so then so then I'm like, okay, I'll, I, I'm really thinking. And I'm like, well, I'm on my period. And the other guy in the back seat goes, well, I'm into that. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. And so I just... <laughs> I just remember saying like, well, you can see my ass in the rear of your mirror as I walk away. And I just remember walking away in a huff and being like, oh, these rich people are just so ugh, gross. And I just couldn't wait to get away. And we got away, got to the sound house, you know, had, you know, got stoned, went to bed. The next day, though, it became it changed from like a night of chaos and panic to like all was quiet on the Western Front. And everybody had like it by that next day, like by the time me and the sound guys got to the main stage, like everybody had kind of pieced out. There was no one there, but like us again. So I found out like through, you know, our, our gays who were keeping an eye on the news source that like at that point, a lot of the people who went to the airport, they had literally been locked in the airport and like the customs was just shaking everybody down and like was giving all of the Americans a hard time, I guess. So even if you try, were trying to leave from the Firefest, like the Bahamas wouldn't let you. Right. So, <laughs> it's a goddamn Bermuda Triangle shit. Literally. So it changed from, you know, everything kind of being scary that night to being like, okay, everything's calm. Like everybody's gone. So all I remember that next day was I was like, I want to go see the destruction. So I walked through all the FEMA tents and I just like some had blood. Like there was some because they were all white. So some, there was blood on some, the mirrors there had like the mirrors had been broken and either used as weapons or like people had just been pissed and wanted something to break. Right. Um, some people in their FEMA tents had like, it was almost like they were scared and they went to other ones and like grabbed all the mattresses and all the blankets. And they like, they had like two FEMA tents and one, like they, I don't, again, I I couldn't tell you why, but Mm-hmm. like they were like fuck this i don't know how long this is going to be like this i'm just going to make sure i have double of everything <laughs> but yeah so like it had just it was just like a free-for-all it was crazy town and there were like you could see where the fires had been burned by some people and just yeah it was like it was complete destruction and it was just to me it was really interesting what was the uh like the bathroom situation like and like showers and and stuff like that like uh, on the island obviously on like a cruise ship there would you know you would have that stuff but on the island what was kind of like the the sanitation like and, and like for like restrooms and stuff what were they doing or was it just like porta potties and i think just it was porta potties yeah god mm-hmm. damn what a showers i don't think were set up <laughs> showers weren't set up because they didn't have running water and they didn't have like um they had tried to put in gutter systems when like I, you know like when they were 
making building this infrastructure they had tried to put in gutters but they subsequently clogged all the gutters with trash so it was like it, it it was just like we were giving these people tools but they weren't really used to them so you can't really blame them for not knowing like oh that if you have running water you need to have like a gutter that the water can pass through right it's not yeah. gonna pass through trash um but yeah so that next day just i went around and it, it everything had kind of calmed down and it was like okay now the next question became are we going to do this next weekend like is this shit still going to keep going on <laughs> or are we going home um so it was supposed so that, to be that, two two weekends then mm-hmm. okay see, I, so, I i always forget that that it was it was like a multi uh multi-week deal <laughs> like that's and so ridiculous so we were kind of in limbo like is this shit still gonna happen are they gonna try to like make a push for this next weekend like they kind of just fucked themselves because they there's so much bad press but um that saturday by the time like i was going around looking at all the tents there were drones flying around and that's when i was like um oh shit like <laughs> there are people that are probably trying to like document this we were told our staff was told like hey you, you guys signed like ndas you can't you can't do interviews and then they had us like turn our backs to any kind of cameras because like tmz was there um and so luckily the ndas have since expired but um, yeah yeah and <laughs> also it's like good luck uh, keeping all that under wraps it worked really well no one heard anything <laughs> like oh yeah my God. oh yeah it only became no the biggest fucking scandal of the last five years <laughs> so so on that Saturday, I went with the boys to the second stage that was on this secondary island. You know, I swam around. It was beautiful. Like, it kind of changed from this chaotic experience to like, okay, there's nobody coming. So all of the drinks are free now. All the drinks are up to us. Like, we get all the Casamigos. We get all the um, a Blink-182s, like, uh, you know, Travis Barker salads that he had ordered special and oh, shit like sick. that. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and so... And so I was with these dudes at the secondary stage and they were like, well, I guess we're going to break it down. Like I, we don't really know what else to do. And Billy McFarlane rolls up on his ATV and he has no shoes on and he had this dumbass smile on his face and he was just like, Hey guys, what's up? And I just remember like looking at him and I wanted like to, I was trying really hard not to pop off and be like, I almost got raped because of you. Right. But I just, I was like, I just was so dumbfounded that he was just so goofy and like acting like nothing was wrong and that that the day before hadn't happened. And so the sound guys were like, uh, actually like the main, you know, like they were telling him what was really going on. You're like, actually this is fucked. Yeah. And he just drove off on his little ATV and like, you know, with his little bobblehead. And it I just remember being like, totally in awe that this person who had planned something that just blew up in his face like was still like almost trying or just like wasn't phased by that and yeah i, I wonder if he what, was just doing that to like save face in front of the in front of the crew or to like keep up morale like if i don't act like if i act like everything's fine everyone else will act like everything's fine kind of mentality well, kind or of if he was of, just like fuck it i'm on a beach still you know i could well exactly i think part of it too is that's how his like how he was able to, um, we call it like finesse a bunch of people and like scheme, because if you believe your own lies kind of a thing, like other people might not think you're so crazy. So like he just, yeah, his, his whole personality just like blew me away. Cause I was like, Whoa, where were you yesterday? Did you not see this? Cause like, it was like Lord of the flies for a second. Um, but yeah. And then what I remember was obviously we didn't, we didn't stay till the next week, but, um, the the last few days in the Bahamas was like touch and go. It was like, we're leaving. No, we're not. We're leaving on the ship. No, we're leaving on a plane. 
And it just kind of at that point was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And our visas didn't expire for like a whole week. But it was like, we need to leave now. So I remember the last few days, like the last day in particular being a little hairy. But um, but no, right after the festival, at least for like a day, maybe maybe two days, it was just us chilling on the island. Like we had like a private well, you guys had your own like fest like you like, you guys yeah. truly got the experience you know free drinks a beach some weed like you guys actually got to go to fire fest everyone else got fucked no and that's the thing is like <laughs> my and so when i came home and i was like oh my god you guys will never believe this so many people like either hadn't heard about it or just like they just couldn't believe that i had experienced it um that I've, I've told so many people this story and just, they've been like, wow, oh my God, that's so crazy. But like, I've yet to meet someone like, you know, who's that interested in like the mundane facts that built this. Cause like, even those little documents, like going back on them of like, like you said, how it's all just, it's a clusterfuck of like, go here, go there, wear this, wear that. Yeah. Um, even the schedule of activities and stuff. Like if you look at the map, they had like eight different, you know, eight different little beach locations, four different bars. Like they had, they'd spread themselves too thin from the beginning. So it's like knowing what we know now and looking back, it's like, Oh shit, this is doomed from the beginning. But right, yeah. I mean, at, at the time I was like, cool, you know, I'm going to get paid like some, some decent money for this. But, um, but no coming out of it. I don't know how, because I don't know how the the money part worked out. Cause somehow he was able to buy a hundred thousand pounds of ice but yeah, and like, and our, then, but then what do you do with it if you don't have electricity or anything? You know, like once it gets there, it's like uh, the most the most fucked thing was that the last few days that like yeah it was a free for all. Everybody got food poisoning because the local staff was still there. Like okay, I guess we'll like keep cooking for you guys. Like you're still here, but everybody got food poisoning, and that again it was just like we need to get out of here. Like this everything is going against us. So right, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an intense ride, but we I made it out and um it's something something to look back on, you know. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, well, let, let me ask you this, just point blank, did you end up getting paid? What what you Yeah, thought, yeah you did. What that's fucking not, crazy. Not <laughs> the full not the full amount cuz the the funny part is I went into the Firefest, I had quit my job and I was like with the money I'm going to make off this festival, I'll be able to just be a festival like an event producer and i won't need you know i won't need like a job i was working at starbucks so i was like Mm -hmm. oh i have this full-time job to have my back but i was like fuck this i'm quitting and i'm just gonna do events and then i do the fire fest i got paid like uh, a quarter of what i should have been paid so that was like a kick in the ass because i was like well maybe i won't do festivals right yeah especially um, well yeah and then now look where we are so like i'm i'm very kind of grateful for the fire fest but um, but yeah, no. When we all got back, like a lot of us just needed that like breather because it was it was like, well, we all just experienced something that like kind of again, we were in international waters, like we're in a country that's not ours. Um, so yeah, it it, it was a little touch and go for a second, but well, you, but out. you made it back in one in one piece, and and you have the story to tell. Uh, when you got back and, and I mean, all the news stories are, are, are circulating and stuff. Um, what were your thoughts on, on that? Did you think that there was any exaggeration or was, was it pretty much just as outrageous as everyone was saying? Like what, what was kind of your, your thoughts on like the big media explosion that happened, uh, you know, upon returning to the States? I think, okay. Our favorite, like was the memes. The memes were the best because 
act like like you said seeing the egg on the face of the people we wanted to see the egg on the face of like i was fine ultimately at the end of the day i was fine i never once had to like sleep in the sand i never once had to like you know i always had water like i i didn't have the same experience that the attendees did so even though on my end it was still kind of shitty like theirs was probably super shitty right so the like the memes that type of stuff was really funny to me Billy on Billy's end, it was more like anything with him. I was like, great, perfect. I'm going to get paid. Like, because anything that had to do with him and, um, like the law, I was like, cool, perfect. And he's going to get arrested. We're going to get our money. I'm going to get the rest of my money. I'm going to be paid. Right. But it wasn't, it wasn't until the documentary came out that I was like, fuck, someone finally encapsulated like exactly what happened. Cause what, like going into it, one of, when we, when we left, one of our thoughts was, he was bringing a lot of rich people to this uninhabited, like uninhabited, like undeveloped Island as a real estate venture. That was what a lot of pe- us left thinking like, fuck, you know, there, maybe it wasn't, maybe it had ulterior motives to a festival. Yeah. So what we thought was, Hey, maybe he's bringing a bunch of like rich people here so that someone will maybe buy a chunk of this Island, develop it. And so, so like we could tell there was probably something else going on and seeing that documentary, like, this dude was just, he, he's a schemer. He's yeah. a schemer. Oh, from top through. to bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, we'll, we'll be, you know, plugging this interview into an episode where Parks and I are going to kind of cover the, the, you know, schematics of, of Firefest. And then this will be the, the meat of our Firefest sandwich that we're going to be building. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is really crazy. Cause yeah, I mean, also one of the things, if I'm not mistaken, was that there was an app and that was kind of the whole thing was that fire was going to be an app to book talent and through doing this festival was going to promote it. It's like the original Woodstock, how it wasn't meant to be just the festival. It was meant to pay for Woodstock recording studio and you know, it just, you know, swayed the other way. Now you came in contact with us because you listened to podcast 99 um, of course. Yes. So what are, if any, some major similarities between your experience at Firefest and what you've learned about Woodstock 99? I think the, like, one of the thing, things is the lack of facilities, because that's the first thing that people need. One of the things, too, is the staffing, like the staffing snafu. Um, I know that the producers that originally were, like, hired left and then they were replaced. So you had this like break in communication, you had a break in planning. Um, so like the staffing that they had was lackluster, if anything. And like, again, nothing to be said against like the local Bahamians, because I, what I understood was they were like promised a deal, but they also, from what my experience was like, kind of like in Woodstock 99, where like the staff would show up and they'd take off their shirts. Yeah, there were plenty of like locals that were supposed to be working that were just straight up chilling, like smoking weed and just <laughs> like chilling in the living shade. the island lifestyle. Baby. And <laughs> so it was like, what the fuck? Like, and and that's the thing. I think that lack of communication and like um, almost with um, like John Cher and Michael Lang, where th- they're like everything's great, do 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 do. Like you know, yeah. they're in the press. They're making it out to seem like there's nothing wrong, but really on the ground, like everything's on fire i think that was kind of a big part too is like like you you know there's almost that um that realization of like wait this isn't gonna work out you know and if 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 someone had just spoken up and been like this isn't you know none of this is ready like this is 50 percent done yeah and it's totally Um, unsafe because you're not on the mainland you know you're you're mega isolated 
Well, and like, yeah, exactly. And if it becomes a free for all, like it's, it's totally such a small area that anything could have happened. And like with the lack of lights, you know what I mean? That type of shit, really anything could have gone down. So I can only imagine just if there were any opportunists out there, like what, you know, because I'm sure there's some some bad shit that went down, but like I'm hoping like no rapes or anything like that. Like you know, seeing the blood on the tents, I was like, all right, maybe a couple of people like got in some fights or something. There might have been some or rowdy wasted people out there. trying to break their mirrors. It, yeah, <laughs> fuck. You know what I mean? It could just be something as simple as that, and someone's like, hey, great, now I, I have a huge gash. I I saw evidence, but no, definitely in the in the episode, just look at like that, just the emails that I was sent and stuff from the companies that just show like. This is what I was provided as an employee to guide me. And a lot of it is just like um, they were is so into themselves as a brand that they almost like forgot about the actual logistics of a festival. And so people need water, you know, people yeah. need a place to go to the bathroom. Like people need designated areas. Like they need to know which tent is theirs because otherwise you have people that are going to try to fucking steal shit. Or if you're fucked up, and you think someone is trying to steal shit, then you start problems. So it's just like, it was just, if he had thought some of the basics through and then the festival still fell like flat on his face, at least people would have had water. At least they would have been able to see like, and so then if they decide to get crazy, like whatever, but you know, at least he, you would have tried. He put so much more effort into like, I think promoting it than actually thinking it through that. Yeah. It just, it it just fell apart. Yeah, he shot he shot for the stars and he fell way way short. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been super super awesome. I'm so glad we got to talk to you about this. I'm so glad you survived the notorious fire fest, possibly the biggest <laughs> concert scandal uh, of at least the last 10 years for sure. Uh, oh, I, th- oh, yeah. I think it's safe to say um, and it's a good thing, you know, it wasn't for the same reasons as Woodstock 99, but it definitely fits under the same umbrella. So this is uh Ryan Lichten here. I've been joined by Kathleen Swed, uh, employee of the Notorious Fire Fest. And uh, it's good talking to you. Well, well, I hope to hear from you again soon sometime. Same, same. Keep making those episodes, my friend. All righty. See ya. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Firefest. You asked for it. We delivered it. We know it's not necessarily Woodstock 99, but there is enough there for this to be posted just to uh, the Podcast 99 channel, but we'll probably put it up on Culture Dumps as well, which reminds me, folks, make sure you sign up for our new show and subscribe to the channel over at Culture Dumps. We talk about a different topic every week, unless it's so big that we have to break it into several parts like we did with our Millie Vanilli coverage, which I'm sure most of you would enjoy along with any of the other episodes we have. And as always, if you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99, contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at Podcast 99. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by Parks Miller, and we will see you at Woodstock.